Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. That was good. It's important that we understand what God is doing and, and who we are. Talked a little bit about that last week, about who we are, where we're going, why we are, stuff like that. And it's good to redefine and, and, and focus and, and have clarity. And over the last few years, you know, Chris and I have been talking and I said, you need to focus on what God has called you to do. And in that, in that clarity of that vision, we're going to actually see some amazing things happen. And you're going to, you know, it, everything that comes to us, they're not bad, but we have to decide what God has called us as a house to do. And that's kind of why we're refocusing on ministry teams and we're refocusing on intercession and what that means and, and prayer and just general and prayer and why we're, you know, we're launching youth and, and we're just, it's just that time of, uh, of restructuring, rebuilding and, and breakthrough, right? So enough on that. Um, I started a series and I didn't realize it was going to become a series until it became a series. <laughs> and... In my preparation, there's a lot of, of notes, and that's on the topic of offense. And if you um, have not heard the first two messages on offense and identifying offense and what that looks like and what it means, go back. It's online. Go onto the website. Go, click onto um, messages or podcasts or media, I think it is, and a drop-down menu comes, and there's the... Uh, I think it says podcasts or it says weekly messages. I can't remember. And they're there. So I'm not going to do too much of an overview of, of what I talked about just to remind you because I do have an entire message prepared to finish this off. Um, and and, and it's, it's very interesting. I, 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 I need to... I need to... There's so much going on today. It's like at last week, I went home last week and I was like, I'm exhausted. Like I usually draw energy and I was like, I'm so tired. I just needed to nap. And then I don't think I got a nap. So, so today I want to talk about um, in, in kind of finishing up this, this series is on um, how to respond correctly to offense. When we're offended, we, we uh, oftentimes don't know that we're offended. And when we get into a group of people, friends or family, all of a sudden our offense starts to bubble out of us and we still don't realize that we're offended. And I say, so the, 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 real, the correct way to respond to offense is actually to identify it first in your life. And admit that you feel offended. Talk about just diving right in, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, put your seatbelts on, we're buckle up, we're going to go. So the first thing that we need to do in identifying or in responding to offense is actually to admit it, that we're offended. And just like I said in my first two messages, that Jesus never said it was a sin to be offended. He just said, you're going to be offended. And then he, and then he gave us... Uh, ways of dealing with being offended, how we deal with it, and that's what's um, stemming up. That's what Je- this is. This is coming out of what Jesus said. So, so the first thing we have to do is admit that yeah, I'm offended. 
What do we do? What happens when we admit that we're offended? What does offense look like? Well, offense looks like something different to everybody because we all process offense differently. We, and, and just like, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world, there's probably 7 billion or maybe even more types of offense because we process it differently. It's what we do with it that is actually the key. And that's what Jesus is getting at. So once we've actually admitted that we're offended and we have offense that we're offense, and what does that look like to us? Like for me, it looks like, well, my feelings are hurt. Like that person said something to me and, and it hurt. And out of that hurt is an offense, right? Because it's like, oh, ow. And the more that I learn how to trust myself and how to tr- what, what do I do with that offense, the more that I, I'm realizing that I can actually be offended and, and then I have to do something with it, is then I'm learning how to actually trust myself. But I'm not hiding this. I'm going, well, I'm a pastor or I'm a dad or I'm a husband and husbands, dads, pastors. They don't, they're not supposed to be offense, offense, offended. I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't get offended. Jesus says, live unoffended. Or Paul said that somewhere, I think. And I'm, so I'm, no. Are you offended? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not offended. You know, I'm not offended. But as I'm learning about offense, I have to say, no, I am offended. But then what do I do with that offense is that I have to actually take that offense and talk to someone about it. Who do I talk to? The father. He's the number one person that we take our offense to and we admit it. And in our prayer times, in our quiet times, we go, Jesus, man, that hurt. Or I'm offended. And then it's that conversation that you have with the father at that point where it actually he will start asking you questions. And that's where we have to open up ourselves to the examination of, of our heart and saying, why are we offended? This is for many people, the tendency is to take offense at the little things that they're rooted in a false perspective of security and, of, and significance. It's a false sense. Last Sunday, I, was, um, I went through Starbucks as my habit is on Sunday mornings, I go grab a coffee and, and come here. And um, there's, um, it was the barista was, uh, I was like, uh, I was offended. <laughs> it was, it was probably the worst experience I've had at Starbucks um, for a long time. And I come through the drive through and I order and I get this kind of this gruff kind of meh response. And I was like, well, that's odd. And, um, we get up to the window and, and I say, like, I had a Starbucks cup from a couple of days prior. And I said, Hey, would you mind taking this? Like, there's no garbage and nope, not, I can't take it. Not going to take it. And just like that. I was like, Whoa, Oh, who peed in your cornflakes this morning? But I put it away and, and, um, I was like, well, that's odd. And so I ordered and what I ordered was my regular flat white, blah, blah, blah. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And I literally was waiting to the point where I'm like, how long? Like, there's nobody in line. They weren't that busy. It was 7 o'clock in the morning, on a Sunday morning. And I could see that they were having problems with their machine. And they were flipping around. And blah, 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 and but, but, but me as the customer, nothing. And the guy that was serving me was less than ex- 
ecstatic about being there. And I was like, literally, probably 10 minutes in line, in a drive-thru, where I'm fast. And, and, I'm, and I'm getting offense, offended. And I'm like, this is, I'm getting agitated. And then my offense is turning into anger. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. Long story short, I asked the kid his name, gave me his name. I asked him, I said, do you enjoy your work here? And he goes, huh. And I was like, okay, have a good day. And I drove away. So I had to do something with that. I had to do something with that. I had to say, okay, I received bad service. I can't tip the guy because there's no tip jar and whatever. So what do I do with that? I said, Holy Spirit, what, 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 is, what is happening? Because I have to start, or not start, but I have to actually walk out some of the principles that I teach about, right? And so the Holy Spirit whispered into me, he says, what kind of day do you think he's having? What kind of life do you think he has? What kind of, and he just started asking me questions about maybe that particular gentleman. And I don't know this kid, nothing. He was, he was just 18, probably an 18 year old who probably shouldn't have been a barista. It's my, that's my judgment, but he is. And so I need to bless him. And so I, instead of taking that offense and going to any one of you going, ah, Starbucks, what up? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, did you guys get bad service to start? Well, let me tell you, I had the worst experience yesterday. Like, instead of doing that and spreading the offense and causing, causing seeds to grow of in, of in other people, I had to actually take that to the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is what you need to do. And he told me a couple things, and I'm like, okay, and bless him and pray for him, Whatever. But that's the first time I said anything. I don't even think I mentioned anything that, that Sunday to Deanne or the kids. Because usually I'm like, oh, man. right? Didn't happen. Because we have to learn what to do with our offense. And the first of all is to take it to the Father. So, and then ask ourselves, why am I triggered? What rights and expectations have been violated? We, we, we're offended because we think that well, there's something in us that you violated my right. And so we come, we come with, with an offense because, well, you, just, you said that to me, and ah, well, I have a right. I have a right to my opinion. Well, yes, you do. I have a right. Like I say, you have a right to my opinion. <laughs> but we have to also ask ourselves, what limiting, um, what, what limiting beliefs do I have in this situation? Like, do we know the whole story? Do we know the whole picture? I only had a five to ten minute encounter with this young man at Starbucks. And, and I don't know what brought him there that day. Maybe he was not scheduled to work. And, and they called him in. And he was still waking up. I mean, he may, he's obviously not a morning person. Because he's just, it was funny now that I think about it. But to take the offense, to understand what is going on. And we have to actually open ourselves up and ask ourselves, what is actually really on, going on? Why, why am I offended? Why is my heart? And then we have to actually lay down those rights and those expectations. I laid down my right and my expectation to a decent cup of coffee, all, all laughing aside. Because the product that I actually got was nasty. Like, I don't know what happened, What it was like, it was, you know, I was just thankful that it was free because it was my bonus cup. And, you know, but it was, it was nasty. I was like, and I, I drank it. What? Me too. Me too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
he brought yours. I didn't have a chance. Anyway. So I laid down my right and my expectation to a good cup of coffee, and I didn't say anything about it. Because I took my offense, and I felt the Lord say, don't, you don't need to do anything about it. And that's just one small thing. Like that's, and, we're, and then that's petty. But we often get ourselves into situations as a family, as a church, as a, as, a, as a whatever, that we blow things out of proportion because we think, I have a right and I expect person A to act like this to me and it doesn't happen, so I'm offended. And, and, and we just, we've got to get past that. We've got to get past that. So what we do is, again, number three, to, to um, correctly respond to offenses, we need to make a commitment to communicate and clarify. We need to choose not to judge others based on our own past experiences, limiting beliefs, or wounding. This happened in this church in the past, so it's going to happen in this church in the present. And so we take our experience and we carry it forward into the present and we go, well, I'm here and, and, and I'm expecting to be offended. I'm expecting this because, heck, it's only just another church. It's only another, it's only another job. It's only another wife or husband. Ooh, I'm getting into it. it it's, I, I've seen, and I've seen this over the last 25 years of ministry is that, you know, men and women, let's just talk about marriages who, who, who get married and divorce and married and divorce and married. And, like I literally five or six times, the same thing that breaks up their marriages is the fact that they haven't dealt with the, with the root of whatever offended them, what, it, what motivates them. People leave churches come and go and because they're expecting to be offended. And they are, you know, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart, our mouth takes action. And, it's our, and, our, and the heart is not just our lub-dub, lub-dub. It's, it's our spirit. It's, our, it's, our, it's, it's, it's what motivates us. And, and, and we go, I've been hurt before. So then we put up a wall, and that expectation then is, well, I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. And I'm going to expect you to be uh, to hurt and to do things that I don't agree with. So, boom, and then we're stuck. And churches go through cycles, and families go through a cycle of of, of woundedness and healing. And, wound, and and but we have to actually deal with the roots. And we're learning that. I really believe that we're learning that. So when it comes to an individual experience, let's just say. I'm offended, I'm hurt by something that Chris said or did. And, I, and, I, and I'm just pulling this out. This is, I'm making this on the fly, okay? So I, I would have to identify why am I hurt? And then I go, Holy Spirit, what is going on? Did she mean to do that or what is going on in my heart? And then I make a, commu- a, a commitment. When I dealt with my own heart, then I actually have to communicate with Chris and say something. And I sit down and I write an email or I text and I go, this, you, you really just got me, right? Isn't that right? No, it's not. You don't email. You don't text. You pick up the phone and say, hey, I have something on my heart. Can we meet? And you get together with the person that you're offended with or you're hurt by and you talk to them. 
Because, I'm sorry, Jesus didn't have cell phones or computers and means of communication that actually cut off emotion. They were a face-to-face society. And as a family, we need to continue to be a face-to-face society, a family, and deal with our offense. Communicate. And we sit down. And this is biblical. Like, this is not just taking key, you know, psychological points. Jesus said in Matthew 18, he says, when, you, when, you, when you're hurt, when you're offended, you go to that person face-to-face. Nothing will destroy a relationship more than a text that says, fine. Okay. Nice. Nice. What did you mean by that? You can't, you can't attach emotion to words. Because what you will do is that the person will actually say, will write something with a right heart and go like, everything is fine. And they'll just go fine. And, they're like, oh, and you're like, oh, they're mad at me. They did something. Oh. And we attach emotion to that. And that just, we just can't do that. So we meet with that person face-to-face. We communicate, um, and then we actually clarify what is going on. That's how we respond. That's how we respond to offense. We communicate. We actually have an interaction with people. Not, not a group of people. Not, not a, a clutch of people who are like your close friends. Well, the Bible says in the council of, of many, there's wisdom. Yeah, the Bible doesn't say to talk to everybody about it. We have close one or two people that, we, that you allow to speak into your life or allow to speak into mine, and that's who you talk to. But not before you go and deal with the actual offense first. So you do so in love and humility and for the sake of the relationship. Chris and I, over the last 25 years, we've had a number of issues with each other. But we love and are committed to each other just more, in fact, because trust has been built in communication. If you want, if you feel that you can't trust people, it's probably because you've walled yourself off because of a, uh, a past experience or, or that there's been so much gossip going on in your life that you know that it's gonna, you're going to be called out on it and you, you can't do it. And so the offense stays. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's so much easier to deal with a new offense than it is an old one. It's like I was talking to somebody last week and I said, yeah, there's, when we, what's easier to deal with a small scratch on your hand or a gangrenous stump? What's easier? Scratch. Unless it's a cat scratch. And then anyway, I'm just... <laughs> So number four, we need to ask God to see the things from the other person's perspective. Oh, there's an idea. Like, okay, God, I don't, like, I'm offended and I got hurt and, and I'm just, I'm triggered right now. What, what can I do about this? And you ask the Holy Spirit, why, why, why do you think that they said what they did? Or why do you think that they did what they did? Or what's the motivation behind that? And I, I can guarantee you, that Holy Spirit is going to show you what was going on in the background to make to help you understand the reasoning for that. And in this process of asking, oftentimes if we just let it go at that point, there's no issue. And we let that offense go. 
And that's, that's the key, I believe, to living unoffended is that you just ask the Holy Spirit for his perspective and you're like, oh, okay, it wasn't against me. You know, if it keeps happening, then there's a problem. But initially, you know, offenses are just like we, shouldn't, we could and we have the capabilities as mature Christian people just to let them go. I really believe a sign of a mature person is that their ability, in their ability to live unoffended. And it's not age. It doesn't mean you have to be 75 and you go like, yep, I'm mature. No, I, I know a lot of 80-year-olds and 75, well, not a lot, cause, but a few that is like, um, you know, younger people are way more mature than they are because they just haven't learned to do that. And I'm not... I am honestly not poking anybody here. Like, it's not. But I have seen it. it. Maturity is not a mark of age. It's a mark of maturity. Just like a 15-year-old may not be as mature as a 25-year-old or vice versa. Like, it's not age-related. So number five is we need to refuse to bite the bait of, rem- of remaining in the offense. We can release the offense, but then all of a sudden, the enemy wants to get in there and remind us, you really should be offended right now. They actually, you know, the Holy Spirit told you about what was going on in the background, but did he really mean this? You probably should be offended. And all of a sudden, you're like, your ears perk up and going, and my rights rise up, and my expectations rise up and go, yeah, I've forgiven them, but... And we get all haughty and we get all twisted and bitter and and then the offense rises up again. It's not something that is great. So we choose not to let the negative thoughts rule us. We actually, the Bible says we take captive those things that assail us. We take captive every thought, everything that is not of the Holy Spirit. We go, no, I am walking in this freedom. That's who I am. That's what I'm doing. We focus on trying not to take offense. We will, if, sorry, if we focus on trying not to take offense, we will keep thinking about the offense. So if we focus on not, so I'm going to read that again. If we focus on trying not to take offense, we will actually keep thinking about the offense. So it comes in, we go no, and it's done. Don't dwell on it. So as, as a man thinketh, so is he. If we're thinking that we're offended, darn tootin', we're going to be offended. I like that. Darn tootin'. Anyway, that's a rabbit trail. I'm not going to go there. All right. So we actually, as a house, as a people, as individuals within a house, we have to become uh, a grace cop, not an offense cop. And I use cop. It's an acronym. Ooh, sneaky. So if you're writing notes, take it down. Cop is cover, overlook, and pursue peace. We need to be a grace cop looking not for offense, but to release grace over people and who they are. Now, what is a definition of grace? And if somebody says unmerited favor, I will puke. Sorry, that's... Ex- <laughs> I'm, I'm offended because <laughs> that's my definition. No, grace is the, is the empowering to do the things that God has called you to do to release freedom and, and presence. It's empowering. 
It's that, it's that supernatural ability to become the oil and allow the oil of the Holy Spirit to be over you so that thing, when things assail you, you can move fluidly through them. It's his empowering presence. Now, unmerited favor, it's part of it, but it is the weakest definition of grace. Grace is the God's empowerment to give you freedom. So in becoming grace cops, we cover. Cover means to guard, to protect the relationship. If I have a relationship with Chris and there's offense and we deal with the, the offense and it's, there is no offense, there's relationship, there's commitment, there's trust, that I want to guard it. I want to protect it because I value her and anybody else. I'm just picking on her right now. So Proverbs 10:12 it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Do I agree with everything that she does or says? Do I agree with everything Andrew does or says? Do I agree with everything Richard does? No. But I value the relationship. I value the, the, the friendship more than I do the disagreement. But we need, actually, we need disagreement to actually have unity. There's a, pff, wow. We have to have that. But we value the relationship so that that's the covering. Proverbs 17.9 says, whoever, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats the matter separates close friends. It's, it's like there's, that's where the gossip comes in. And we're like, well, did you know what she did? And blah, blah, blah. Did you, see, did you see what the leadership team did? And they, I don't agree with that. But nobody actually comes to us and talks about that. It's like, wow. And so, you know, as a, as a leader, when I hear about somebody's offended or, you know, and I'm not preaching to anybody specific i'm just giving my experience when i hear about that do i do anything about it no because if it's real they'll come to us they'll come to me like when deanne has a problem with something that i did she will come to me and she will say oh husband are thou stupid and i would say sometimes and I may do that again. I'm sorry, but but you know what I mean. It's just like there's there's this covering, and it's and we and we don't stir things up. Proverbs nine. Sorry, I jumped ahead. First Peter four eight says, above all, keep keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Don't blabber and spread your negative thoughts. Deal with it. And if you can't deal with it, find one or two people that can help you deal with it and then go. Because the Matthew 18 principle is if you are offended, you go to the brother, you go to the sister. And if they're not responsive, then you take another one person. And then if, you don't, if they still don't do it, then you, then you present it. But it's still within the structure of love, right? So that's the C. Oh, overlook. To overlook an offense is to take no notice of wrong, wrongs done against oneself, to refuse to retaliate or seek revenge, to let affronts go, or in a word, to forgive. So much can be actually dealt with by just forgiving. And what is forgiveness? It's the release of judgment, and you release the person back to the Father. 
It's, I am not going to hold judgment against you for this. I'm releasing you back to the Father, and the Father can do whatever he needs to do to you. And it's not like, Lord, I'm releasing that person, so get them. That's not what it is either. It's, I'm going to let you be Father, and you deal with it. But I have no offense here. Proverbs 19.11, it says, make good, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Something I'm still working on. Because like, especially when I'm hungry. Yep. And then we need to pursue peace. That's the P in cop. Pursue peace. On multiple occasions, Paul instructed believers to overlook offense and pursue peace. Romans 14, 19 says, follow after things that make for peace and build others up. Uh, Romans 15, 5 and 6, be of the same mind so that we can glorify God together. Corinthians 1, 10 says, have no divisions. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 talks about bearing one another in love. Philippians 2, 2 Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. See, that causes offense. I don't know how many times in the past I've had young leaders or I've been a young leader and I go and I dictate, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is what God has called me to do, and it has nothing to do with what the vision is of the house. And the the leader goes, "Uh, I don't think so. And then I get all offended, right? Or we have leaders that get all offended because, well, you didn't recognize my gifting. It's like, no, I'll recognize your gifting when you actually serve, when you actually come in and are humble. And this is what I had to do as a young leader. I had to put aside my, my, um, my agendas and serve the, the leaders at the time. And there's many leaders. I've, I've had many amazing leaders in my, in my life over the last 30 years that each one of them, I actually had to learn how to serve. And out of that servant heart, out of that sense of service and not offense, they would actually say, hey, you have something to give. I want to give you this opportunity. Wow, that's great. And that's just the way the kingdom runs. So we're pursuing peace. All right, how is it? You guys good? So the... uh, The last key or the last point... In how to correctly respond to offense. And we ta- I talked a little bit about it. Was that of forgiveness. We just simply have to learn how to forgive. Should there be an actual sin. Or grounds for offense. Then we go to that person. We talked about that with the goal of understanding. Loving confrontation. Feedback. Um, Mark. Mark 11, 14 and 15. It says whatever you do. What, sorry. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you in your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your transgressions. Doesn't mean he's cutting you out. Doesn't mean that you're going to hell. Doesn't mean that. It's just, if we can't learn to forgive, then it's really difficult for the Father to forgive us. In that same area. And there's parables about that. And there's stories that Jesus shared. That highlight that. 
And it's just Jesus is saying, like, you just got to walk in forgiveness. So instead of walking unoffendable because we think, well, I can't do that, it's I, I have to learn how to forgive. It, it's almost easier to forgive than it is to walk in non-offense. Does that make sense? It's like it's easier to say, I forgive you, and I release that person. Oh, but I'm still offended. Okay, we have to go back and going, well, maybe you haven't forgiven. And I tell people over and over again, I mean, in counseling sessions, um, I'll say, well, is there anybody you need to forgive? And they're going, yeah, I need to forgive my dad for whatever. And I'm like, okay, can you forgive him? No. I'm like, can you say the words? No, maybe. Well, let's try it. Repeat after me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I forgive my dad. I forgive my dad. I forgive him. And and then it it goes, but I don't feel anything. I'm like, no, but you spoke it. And it's the start. You may still harbor things in your heart, but forgiveness is a process. And it comes just like living unoffended is still a process in our lives. But we have to start with forgiveness. Colossians 3.13, it says, be quick to forgive, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If any man has a complaint against any, even as Christ forgive you, so you also do. It's that you do it. And then peace reigns out of that. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, I think Dan spoke about this a few months ago. If you, I think, was it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift so there's a, it's, it's Jesus has laid out how we deal with offense, how we do it. Galatians 6, I want to read this one. Galatians 6, 1 to 5, it says, Beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit seek to, seek to restore him. Win him over with gentle words, which will open his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. If you think that you are too important to stoop down and to help another, then you are living in deception. Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work of God has get that sorry let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work that God has given them to do with excellence and their joy will be in doing what is right and being themselves and not being affirmed by others every believer is ultimately responsible for his or her own conscience it's like we and this is a great proof text to say if we see a need we meet a need we don't see a need and pawn it off to somebody else As a family, you know, like we see a need, we meet a need. And sometimes seeing a need and meeting a need means that we ask for help. Seeing a need and going, I don't know what to do with this, but I see a need. Can we we gather around and we do something to help? That's our responsibility. And such as it is in forgiveness, such as as it is in offense. If if, if I view that Richard is offended at me and and I'm picking up the signs, because we all know the signs. We know the signs that somebody is mad at us. Right? Usually it's, they see you coming and they turn away. That's a good one. You know? Or you walk into a bathroom and you see the person that you are offended with and they leave. Or you leave, right? Oh, where's that coming from? See them in a grocery store. Oh dear, I don't want to talk to that person. Or, and you see that and you're going, oh, I think they're offended. 
So how do we walk in forgiveness and reconciliation? We let go of the offense. We speak forgiveness. We cancel out that offense. We cancel. We say, I forgive you, and it's canceling. It's releasing us from obligation. And it's also about loving and edifying the others. And that's in Romans 14, 19. And I think I'm going to close with that. So Paul is talking to the Romans about eating. Eating food that is typically talking, like, you know, the whole thing was, was, are Christians allowed to eat pork? Are Christians allowed to eat bacon, right? It was like, and in this case, it was, it was food, all, um, uh, unkosher food, food uh, sacrificed to idols, stuff like that. And, and Paul just gets really specific in, first Corinthians, or in Romans 14. And he says, stop being critical and condemning of other believers, but instead determined to never deliberately cause a brother or sister to stumble and fall because of your actions. I know and I am convinced by personal revelation from the Lord Jesus that there is nothing wrong with eating any food. But to the one who considers it to be unclean, it's unacceptable. If your brother or sister is offended because you insist on eating what you want, again, there's your rights, there's your expectations, there's, I, you know, eating what you want. It's no longer love that rules your conduct. Why would, you, why would you wound someone for whom the Messiah gave his life? Just so you, you can eat what you want? So don't give people the opportunity to slander what you know to be good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink. It's in the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Serving the anointing one by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God and earns the respect of others. So then, verse 19, make it your top priority. To live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships. Eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. Stop ruining the work of, of God by insisting on your own opinions about food. Or drink. Or movies. Or anything else that is causing offense. You can eat anything you want. But, is, but it is wrong to deliberately cause someone to be offended over what you eat. And he goes on. Consider this an act of love, to refrain from eating meat and drinking wine or doing anything else that would cause a fellow believer to be offended or tempted to be weakened in his faith. Make sense? When I was younger, I was a huge... I have freedom. I can do what I want. You don't like drinking? Screw you. And the Lord starts taking me down the process. Do I still drink? Yes, I have an occasional beer. I really like it. Am I with new, when I'm with new friends, I ask them, do you like to drink wine? Do you like to drink? Like, are you offended by alcohol? No, I don't do it, but I'm okay. Great. See, this is where you value the relationship. Or you know what? I'm an alcoholic or I'm a former alcoholic. I don't like it. Great. I'm not going to do it. I'm I'm Okay. And that's what Paul was getting at. He says, don't live to be an offender. Jesus said, you will be offended. And Jesus offended people. But he, didn't, he did it in a way that causes us to grow. All right. Okay, so I'm going to summarize this and we're going to go, I'm really, it's quarter after, I'm sorry. Well, not really. 
It's got to get this done. Otherwise, it would have been like six messages. So in summary, one, admit that you feel offended. Two, open your heart to the Lord's examination of your heart. Three, make a commitment to communicate and clarify. Four, ask God to see things from the other person's perspective. Five, refuse to take offense. Lay down your rights and your expectations. And we talked about that in Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Number six, respond in grace. Cover, overlook, and pray. Or pursue peace. Cover, overlook, pray. Be a grace cop. And five, uh, seven, forgive. Go to the person with the goal of seeing understanding and reconciliation. And I really believe once we start grasping and understanding offense and how we operate with it with each other, it opens us up to really good conversations, good communications, constructive feedback, and understanding. But we have to stop the not doing this. I would much rather have all 50 of you come to me, not all at once, but say, I have a question about this. I love questions. I love questions. I love concerns. I really do. I don't have a problem with somebody coming to me and saying, why do we do this? Why is it this? Why do we do this? But what I do have a problem with is when I hear it coming from other factions or other groups and saying, well, so-and-so is this and -and so-and-so is that. I just, I get annoyed, I get offended, and I'll say, okay, Holy Spirit, you need to deal with that, because I release forgiveness. That's why I can, I, I, I can live unoffended. And that's why I'm not offended when people come to me and say, why do you do this? Well, glad you ask. This is why we do this. Perfect. And when we have conversations with each other, that's when strength, and that's when trust is built, And when trust is built, greater growth can happen. The people that I've had the most confrontation with in their life are my closest friends and my closest confidants and the people that I can trust and they can trust me. And that's outside of a leadership position or whatever. It's just, that's the way it works. Trust is built by conflict. But open conflict in love. Right? Let's stand. I'm done. Zach, come on up. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.